0: Do you know yourself well enough to lead yourself? Are you truly aware of what drives your ambitions? Do you fully understand your role within your team? Hello and welcome to a Rocket IT podcast focused on self-reflection and some helpful steps to assist in defining your leadership qualities. I'm your host, Matt Hyatt, and today we'll be speaking with a special guest from a global company that's determined to raise the standard of leadership around the world. While this episode will provide you with insight into some of the tools industry leaders are using to examine themselves and their team's dynamic, know that this is but just a brief overview of the topic. Therefore, for those of you that wish to delve more deeply into these tools, we encourage you to check out GiantWorldwide.com. Additionally, if you should have any questions about today's discussions, please feel free to contact us at Marketing at or send us a message via any of the social media links found in this episode's description. With that said, I'd like to introduce you to a dear friend of mine, Dan Fry. As a partner at Giant Worldwide, Dan and his team attempt to liberate leaders from industry sectors across the spectrum. By providing these leaders with simple yet memorable tools, Giant hopes to change the leadership culture of these organizations for the better. Through Giant's efforts, Participants in their programs are given a foundation to both increase productivity and better foster important relationships. Because the curriculum Giant provides is quite extensive and in-depth, we're going to simply focus on two topics today, Myers-Briggs testing and the importance of finding your active voice. Dan, hello and welcome. From myself and listeners alike, we greatly appreciate you joining us today.
1: Matt, it's my pleasure. It's It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Now, let's dive right in. Dan, I'd love to tell a little bit of the story about your career at Giant and how you got started. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's start at the beginning. You started in corporate life, right?
1: Yeah, I had a uh, corporate background right out of college. Um, I spent the first 10 years of my career um, with Xerox
0: um, oh, wow.
1: as a as a color product manager.
0: Okay. Uh, what, what does that mean, a color product manager?
1: <laughs> so back in the early 90s, um, the majority of the world wasn't really printing in color yet. Uh-huh. And those types of products were very important to Xerox. Um, so my role inside Xerox was to own responsibility for taking that product to market through our channels as well as our corporate salespeople. So I overlaid um, 70 agent sales reps for Xerox across the state of Georgia. Wow. And it was uh, some of the best times of my career.
0: I bet. Now, uh, is that code for you were a salesperson? Or is that a code for you were leading salespeople? So
1: that's part of my whole story because if you'd asked me this 20 years ago, I would have said I was a great salesperson. Yeah. Um, part of my whole journey, which we'll, we'll get to in a little while, but um, it wasn't the sales that was filling my bucket. It was the leading the people, and uh-huh. uh, I didn't know that at the time, but <laughs> I think that's what made me, made, made
0: me good at it. Well, Xerox is uh, sort of known. particularly at that time for being a sales machine. Uh, And they had a a lot of structure around their sales program. Did they have the same thing around the leadership aspect of sales? So leadership was always
1: boiled into their training. Uh, A lot of times they would ship us off to Virginia to a place called Leesburg, um, where it was this thousand plus acre compound where we were usually taught everything we knew. And um, leadership was not ever directly taught. But it was always intermingled in with the sales training. Ah, uh, I see. So it was a great foundation for me.
0: Fantastic. But tell us about Greenlight. Uh, I understand uh, uh, after the corporate life, maybe moved on to something different.
1: Well, so yeah, there was a there was. I left Xerox in the early 2000s. Um, worked in small business for a little while. Um, left that. Went back to corporate America. Worked for Boise Cascade, which then acquired Office Max, uh, oh. and was there for five years. But um, really, it felt like something was always missing. And I thought what that was was starting my own business. So in 2008, I started Greenlight Communications, which was a, uh, a digital printing business. And the focus of Greenlight was to do uh, digital print services for the uh, human resource and training executive. And that was uh, really the way we kind of structured our, our marketing game plan and really focused who we went after was HR executives and training directors.
0: 2008, a perfect time to start a new business, right? (laughs) Not only that, a new business and uh, a commodity, a printing business. Right.
1: So um, I thank my wife regularly for hanging through those times (laughs) because there was a lot of uh, practical data in the moment that said that shouldn't have happened, but I ignored it. and, uh, And it worked out. Yep. It worked out very well.
0: Well, that's kind of the entrepreneurial way, right? Yes. Is, uh, to sort of understand what the risks are and then to ignore them and press on.
1: Yeah. The gut instinct many, many times
0: overrides <laughs> the information. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about Giant Worldwide. How did you get plugged in there?
1: Well, so um, it's hard to kind of go there without kind of going into my whole story, which I won't go into. But um, in short, um I, I was always looking for the next thing. Like, I was never satisfied. Corporate America was not satisfying enough. And I thought what would be satisfying is starting my own business and making it, making it successful, which I did in Greenlight. Yeah. We made it very successful in under three years. Um, I did realize that print was not going to I, – I, in my opinion, I thought print was going to die before I was ready. <laughs> you know, kids getting ready to go to college. So, um We started another business to complement print. I got into the marketing space, digital marketing, Ah. um, with some brilliant Georgia Tech kids. And um, the idea behind that company, it was called Craze at the time, was that it was going to produce opportunity that would complement print. It was going to be both and. And so the way Giant kind of came to be was um, I asked Jeremy Kubitschek, the founder of Giant, really just to have coffee. Uh, he and I had befriended each other on the football field. Our boys played football together. And I really thought he was going to give me basic business advice. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened was he and I ended up meeting at a coffee shop in Johns Creek here in Georgia uh, for a year. Oh, and wow. it was collaborating around business and That's leadership. was a long coffee date. It was a long coffee <laughs> date. Uh, and it was really, um, the guy was one of the main leaders of my life. Um It was him really kind of helping me figure out what was the combination of objective as well as fulfillment for me. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that what he was working on was what I was looking for. And that was what Giant was. So our version of Giant was started almost seven years ago, Giant Worldwide. Yeah. And he voiced some of the vision of what that was going to be to me. And I'm like, I want it. And so I had to go home and say, all right, Audrey, um, my wife. Here's going to be another business we're going to start. And she (laughs) stuck with me through that one. So that was the beginning. And uh, Giant celebrated really its sixth anniversary in terms of actually going to market this past January. But I always say I'm in my seventh year because I was think tanking it with Jeremy for a year before it really got rolling.
0: That's really fun. Yeah. yeah. So uh, today uh, I'm still running Greenlight and uh, working with Giant also. Yep
1: yep uh green light still exists. i mean print kind of just does itself. I have an amazing business partner it uh it in my printing company named Jim Perez uh he's another guy like that I'd say top ten in people in my life that have wow. really helped me be what i am um so he kind of makes all that happen for us and um and ninety nine percent of my time is giant
0: Wow, fantastic yeah yeah uh. So let's dive in a little bit to uh, some of the things that you talk about uh, when you're working in Giant. And one of the things I hear the most about is the five voices. Tell us about that. What, what, do, what do you mean when you're talking about the five voices? Well,
1: one of the, the most effective pieces of content that we at Giant Worldwide have built, and it was really architected between Jeremy and Steve Cochran, our co-founder, was that we believe that every, every leader, every person has a voice out there. But only some people are really heard. Hmm. And ironically, the wider percentage of the population uh, are the ones that aren't heard. Hmm. And the smallest percentage of the population tends to be heard the most. So the five voices, uh, we would say that there's, in any given time, five voices inside a team, or there should be a pioneer, a connector, a guardian, a creative, or a nurturer.
0: All right. And
1: the majority of the population is made up of the guardians and the nurturers. I see. The voices that tend to be heard the most, though, are the connectors and the pioneers.
0: Huh. So when you talk about that and you're saying people aren't heard, Mm -hmm. what do you mean exactly?
1: Yeah. So you have to kind of break down each voice for what it's gifting is. Okay. So if I started from the voices that are heard the least— and go up to the voice that tends to be heard the most, the one that's heard the least, and they tend to make up about 43% of the population, is the nurture voice. This is the voice on a team that is like the uh, the champion of people. Mm. So if there's ever vision being cast inside the organization, the nurture is that voice filtering that vision through, okay, how is this going to impact the people that I work with? And they're the ones that are going to be a little bit more resistant if that vision's not really thought through, not because they are not bought into vision, but but they're very protective of the safety of the people on the team. Hmm. Many times they may be found in HR, they may be found in roles that are directly customer engaging, because they really do choose to do a job because they care. Right? That's that nurturing voice. Second voice that is least heard is the, the creative voice. These are the raging futurist voice that are always thinking of the next possibility that the organization could do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many times the creative um, feels like they're the voice that always speaks but is rarely understood. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, many times it's because they are voicing a vision that is so far out there that it's very difficult for them to break it down to the practical, pragmatic reality of the here and now. So many, many creatives feel like they voice an idea that is never heard. And then six months later, somebody else voices the same idea. And everybody says, hey, great idea. And the creative is like, well, wait a minute. I said that months ago and everybody says, we didn't hear it. So that's the that creative That sounds voice. frustrating. Yeah, I t- that tends to be me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm the. that's my first voice is the creative voice. I see. So uh, the third voice would be the guardian. Okay. So the guardian voice is the voices that the... Uh, The steward of process, system, deliverability, quality, execution. This is the voice inside an organization that supports all of the systems and processes. Many times they're in the accounting or the operation roles. I'm not saying accountants and operations people are all guardians, but that tends to be the voice that uh, thrives in those roles. Wow, These are the ones that where the nurture may be protecting the people. The guardian's gonna say, I'm not moving forward on your vision until you prove to me how it's gonna fit into the current processes of the here and now. So the guardian's the one that honors the past as well as looking into the future. Gotcha. The next voice is the connector voice. So if you have a sales team, this is the voice you want on your sales team. These are the people that are they're future driven, but they're also very emotionally connected to what they do. So if they are bought into what they're selling, They can, they're very effective at swaying people toward something that they believe in deeply. They're also that, they tend to be that voice that's the, I got a guy voice. So Mm -hmm. they tend to have a connection for everything. You know, if you've ever known somebody out there that, you know, if you need a plumber, well, I got a guy, you know, they got a guy for everything. That might signal that they have that connector voice inside their work world as well. And then the last voice that tends to be heard the most is the pioneer. And these guys are very predominant. Uh, and CEO roles. These are the ones that are strategic military thinkers that can see a vision and align people, systems, resources, money to make that vision happen. Highly competitive, highly competent, highly credible, but they only make up about 7% of the population but they tend to also be that. Sounds, most-
0: sounds like that's a good thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is. It is. So if you, if you go out on the street and look for a pioneer, you're probably not going to find them that often. But if you go into the C-suite of any major organization, they're probably easy to find because many times that's the voice in that leadership role driving the whole machine. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's our, our five voices. Wow, content. that's fascinating. Yeah. You know, you kind of talk through those, mm-hmm. and I can identify a little bit with all of them. You know, I can identify Brilliant. a little bit about caring about people. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, certainly identify with uh, uh, being sort of a future-oriented, uh, creative type of person. Uh, and then you can go through the the, the list: the, the the guardian and really placing a high importance on systems and processes. Mm-hmm. So. Is it possible somebody has more than one voice? That's, that's a brilliant question. Absolutely. Well, thank you. <laughs> quite, I came <laughs> up with that one on my own. <laughs>
1: <laughs> quite frankly, when we're out there in the trenches, that's what we help people understand. So you have five voices and at any given time, you are a little bit of all five. Absolutely. That's where I get passionate about what Giant does. Because I think a lot of times assessments that are out there nowadays try to pigeonhole people. Uh-huh. We absolutely don't do that. Hmm. Um, you know, if I put it on me, I, I tend to be the creative connector, nurture, guardian, pioneer. That is my voice order. (laughs) And um, so where I am most effective or most alive is casting vision and then bringing things together to make that vision happen. Similar to a pioneer, but where I differ a little bit is I'm much more of a depth approach. Creatives tend to be a little bit deeper in their vision. Mm -hmm. So I'm much more likely to start small businesses. Pioneers are much more likely to start a business and take it galactic. <laughs> so it's subtle differences. A rocket but,
0: reference there. I like that. Yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> so, um, but the thing is you are absolutely in any given time, a little bit of every voice. I mean, every single parent
0: has to be a guardian, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, uh, I'm remembering back to when I first moved my business out of the house and into an office mm-hmm. for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, we uh, had the budget for a single office with two desks. And so the very first person that I hired sat directly across from me, uh, just like you and I are sitting in a room together now at the yep. same, same table. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm imagining that uh, her voice was probably pretty different than, than mine uh, back in those days. So how do, you, how do you work through that when you have different personalities trying to work together uh, either in the same team or maybe even two people working closely together that have different voices is is there uh, are there some pitfalls there that people need to work through or how, how does that work
1: so it doesn't uh-huh. and it should <laughs>
0: i think that's part of why giant is
1: growing so fast because that's exactly what most people need a creative needs a good guardian mm. many times pioneers need a good nurture mm. so But the problem is those voices tend to clash and not value each other so much. So if it's a startup, a lot of times it doesn't work because they don't realize or appreciate the gift of the other voice. Mm. That's where we are really helping people understand that uh, every voice is gifted and actually having certain voice combinations that offset the weakness Mm -hmm. that we have is really the secret. Uh So my business is up over 50% this year. And I think one of the smartest decisions I made last year was to uh, invite a guardian Uh to join me and actually share my business with me. And because of our our partnership approach to delivering this in a major Fortune 500 company, we scaled the business actually inside that organization 200%. Wow. I tried to do it myself as a creative voice, I had the vision of what I wanted to do, but I am not the implementation guy. I'm the vision guy. Got it. So I went out and looked for the implementation guy to take my vision and translate it into how we execute at the highest level.
0: Got it. So Dan, you're talking about uh, a startup mm-hmm. and maybe having two or three people in the room and uh, how there might be a breakdown if uh, the voices are different and you said it doesn't work, you know, those... those. Uh, different voices trying to maybe compete for uh, attention or priority in the business with people being heard. But he also alluded to as a uh, business grows and gets bigger, that's probably uh, value in having all the voices represented. Did I hear that correct?
2: Absolutely.
0: So, Let's talk a, bit, a little bit about bridging the gap there, yes, and, yes. Then, and then we'll move on. But sure. uh, how do you do that? So if if I'm uh, a creative, and I think I am, mm-hmm. uh, should I, you know, the day one, hire another creative and another one? Or is it smarter to sort of be on the lookout for folks that might be able to contribute differently? You said with your business partner, you sought out a guardian of I'm imagining uh, someone who's sort of future-oriented and uh, kind of, uh, you know. High in the sky kind of person versus someone who's super detail and process oriented could be oil and water or could be the perfect fit. You know, how do you, how do you walk through that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's really understanding where each voice thrives. Um, if you look at the guardians and the nurturers, they tend to be the present oriented voices, much mm-hmm. more the voice that can embrace the details and look at the, you know, the here and now mm-hmm. much more implementation Right. type voices, guardian and nurture. One for people, one for process. If you look at the connectors, the creatives and the pioneers, they're the future-oriented voices. You know, it's almost like if we want to say dreamer versus doer.
2: Mm.
1: Pioneers, creatives, connectors, they're always future-oriented, always thinking about the next big thing. So if it depends on the stage of the organization as well. So if it's a startup, um, Your pioneers, your connectors, and your creatives are going to thrive in the startup phase. Mm. The nurturers and the guardians, it's not that they couldn't play there, but it's going to be a bit more challenging for them because they're not, the structures haven't been built to give them the clarity on how we execute. If Uh things are constantly changing, they may struggle a little. Mm -hmm. Now, we believe, and we have a a principle that we teach called pass the baton, where we help organizations kind of understand what stage of their life cycle they're in. And I've even got some Fortune Fives that I work with that in some divisions of this organization, they see themselves as falling back to a startup, even though they're a public Fortune 500 company. Right. So when that happens, the voices that come alive are more future oriented. The voices that struggle are more present oriented. So what eventually has to happen in all organizations is an establishment phase or an establishment life cycle where the details the systems and the structures are built that actually create the platform for growth your present oriented voices your guardians your nurturers they're going to thrive there and for me when i said i brought in a guardian that's where i was a year ago hmm. because you know we were a good 5 years in to really rocking and rolling at giant but i realized that my voice the the limitations of my voice being a first voice creative or in implementation, not vision. Right. So I can dream it up. But if I have to implement, um, my capacity to do that is not as strong or wide as a guardian. And my business had scaled to the point where my capacity to manage the details of the business was maxed. So if I wanted to say, well, I just got to work harder, I increase my chance that I burn out. Mm -hmm. But if I say I want to invest in somebody else. Mm -hmm. It actually created return on my investment by saying, hey, I want to share my business with a guardian because they're bringing gifts to the table that I don't have. Basically, what happened is we did more business.
0: Wow. That's great. I love how that works out. Yeah. Uh, sounds like one plus one can equal three.
1: Absolutely. Perfect, perfect analogy.
0: Fantastic. Uh, in the past, we've talked about five voices and they can be particularly helpful discussing team dynamics. And it sounds like that's what we're really talking about here. Uh, does this scale up to those larger organizations? Uh, you know, when you're talking about hundreds of people, uh, is there some balance there? You mentioned, for example, I think you said 43% yes. of the population yes. is a nurturer. yes. So if I've had a hundred person organization, you're saying that uh, if chosen randomly, probably 43 of them are nurturers. But is there I don't know, is is there some uh, structure there that you should be seeking out or is it more of just understanding what you've got and, and working with that?
1: Another great question. So when I look at your business, Matt, I mean, IT, Yeah. Hmm, you know, if you were choosing randomly, I wouldn't think in the IT space, and this is a little stereotypical, but I wouldn't gamble that nurturers are flocking to the IT space. <laughs> um, I might gamble that creatives, right? Mm-hmm technology-based type personalities, creatives, maybe pioneer connectors, future-oriented voices. A lot of them are leveraging technology to do great things. They Mm. see possibilities of how to use technology. I might almost say that in the IT space, you might find the smaller percentage just by the nature of what your business is. But if you're a Fortune 500 company, I think you're much more likely to attract any or all voices. So if you did select randomly, mm-hmm. you're probably going to get more uh, candidates that are nurture guardian just because they represent the wider base of the population. Right. So when you said, is it something that can scale? That is absolutely what we see with the voices and why we're so excited about it and what we've already seen happen. Huh. Cause we go into team dynamics and we help each person on the team understand what their most natural voice is. Mm. And maybe even more importantly, like if we have five voices, it's not as important, in my opinion, to understand what your top two are. It's really important to understand what your bottom two are. Oh, yeah. Because that's where your struggle is. Sure. So, you know, I know that pioneers and guardians are going to be my bottom two. Mm -hmm. So if I want to offset my liabilities as my business scales – Those are always going to be my areas of opportunity to bring people in.
0: Hmm. But those voices can be developed, right? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So, you know, I'm a coach. Sure. So I have to be competent and credible at coaching any voice. Gotcha. Which is a pickle. I mean, that's really what I try to help everybody do. Mm -hmm. Because as a creative, my liability is typically not building uh, chemistry or being seen as a man of strong character, that usually just naturally comes out of creative voices. Mm. We're so future oriented that our risk is that when we speak, what's coming out is not resonating with people in the present. (laughs) And a lot of times, even though we may have all the competency in the world, it dings us in that area because we don't seem to know what we're talking about Mm. because we don't make any sense when we speak. (laughs) So the point of it all is you I always tell my clients, you have to be well-versed in all five. Mm. It's situational awareness, basically, is what I teach. Mm. So that if there's a nurturer on the other side of me, what do I have to do about me to maximize connectivity with that nurturer? There's a pioneer on the other side of me. What do I have to do about me to maximize connectivity of that pioneer? Right. And that is where every individual that I work with, the opportunity becomes very personal for them. Sure. Because they're the only one that's lived their life. They're the only one that has that base of experience. So when they realize these are my limitations, it's up to them to develop their own, just like you said, um, abilities in their weakest voices. But it's on them to do that. We can help them. Right. But at the end of the day, it's all about their execution, not their awareness.
0: Got it. So one thing I'd like to dig in a little bit on is uh, Myers-Briggs Type indicator MBTI. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you're a certified practitioner yes. for MBTI, yes. as am I. Yes, uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about whether that's a tool that you still use, and if so, how.
1: Absolutely. Um, back in the very early days of Giant, um, many of us went out and got Myers Briggs certified mm-hmm. because we that was our platform to coach somebody one on one. Got it. Okay. So, uh, what? I still use the Myers-Briggs floor on a very regular basis is if I do uh, what we call a leader intensive at Giant, hmm. where it's more of a deep dive one-on-one with a leader. Um, it has four stages to it. So if I ever do this one-on-one, I'm helping the leader understand, okay, how do you tick? What is your natural wiring? Mm-hmm. That's stage one. Stage two is what is your preferred future? Hmm. So where do you, where do you really want to go Right inside your organization, but outside your organization as well, especially if you're the CEO? Sure. You know, what do you want from your company, but what do you want for your company? Sure. Stage three is kind of an, a, an assessment then, because I'll take how they're wired and where they want to go, and then we'll look backwards to see what tendencies have them where they are. Mm. And I can leverage um, Jungian Topology and Myers-Briggs to look for patterns in that leader and I'll basically give them the awareness of what they, they need to be doing more of and less of to really get the preferred future that they want. And then stage four is they build their own action
0: plan. Hmm. So digging into MBTI a little bit more, uh, sounds like uh, it's very useful in doing these leader intensives and sort of doing a deep deep dive. Yes. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you look for there in a a leader, as an example? Uh, Is there a particular Myers-Briggs type that uh, is important in, in terms of leadership qualities? Or is it some other way?
1: No. Um, I think all types have their gifting. Mm-hmm. Every type can be a leader. Mm. Uh, there are statistics that might show certain types tend to hold more what we would call in our culture leadership positions. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to not even like the word leadership. It's very no. saturated and <laughs> watered down and vague. But right. And I believe if you have a heartbeat and one friend – You have the opportunity to be a leader because you have the opportunity to have influence. Mm -hmm. So every voice or every type has got its own sweet spot. Mm -hmm. So where leadership can really kick in is understanding that sweet spot and maximizing that gifting Mm -hmm. as you lead. So – but what we're looking for when we look through the Myers-Briggs, and I'm sure many of your listeners are aware of Myers-Briggs, but it's it's probably the oldest instrument out there in terms of assessments – I think it has the most credibility for that reason. Hmm. Um, It's got the most data backing it because it's been around for so long. Hmm. There's a lot of other instruments out now that are very popular, but I really, really tend to favor the Myers-Briggs. But I don't use it to stereotype somebody or pigeonhole somebody into four letters. Sure, I help them use it to say, huh, if there is 16 types, which one am I most like? Mm-hmm. And can I use that language to actually see my tendencies in a way that help me be more proactive or intentional around shaping my behavioral patterns to have better results? Mm-hmm. So there's four dimensions to Jungian topology or Myers-Briggs. There's extroversion versus introversion, mm-hmm. which is the preferred way of getting energy, uh. sensing versus intuition which is how we see the world or how we take in and process information. Mm-hmm. Thinking versus feeling, which is how we tend to go about making a decision. And then judging versus perceiving, which is just our preferred lifestyle. Combinations of those four letters make up the 16 different types. And each type has its own tendencies as a leader.
0: Wow. Uh, sounds like you could spend uh, an entire podcast just on that topic. You really could. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about You said both when talking about Five Voices Mm -hmm. and uh, how that plays in the role of uh, team building. Yes. uh, But also in these leader intensives using Myers-Briggs and Five Voices. Yes. It sounds like there's a lot of self-reflection there. And I've heard you say before, and I know Giant says this a lot, this phrase, know yourself to lead yourself. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means? What are you you talking about? Well,
1: so in the nature of the way you ask the question i'll try to pull in a little bit of myers briggs a little bit of voices and apply it to a, like a real type okay okay so a lot of the pioneers that we find out there in the five voices content they probably tie back to that of being an intuitive thinker
0: hmm. so for myers briggs yeah. yeah
1: so that's nt Right. in the four letters, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a visionary. It's a big picture. I take in information. I'm always looking for what it could mean or what the possibility could be. And then I make decision in a logical, impersonal way to actually achieve that vision, NT. That's mm-hmm. very quick, right. basic myers Briggsy stuff. Okay, That tends to be what pioneers are. So if you're an ENTP, for right. instance... You have a lot of energy from the external world. You love being around people, things, ideas, collaborating. Mm -hmm. You're a visionary personality that makes logical decisions and you do life with your options open. Mm. (laughs) That tends to be very much a pioneering, entrepreneurial, risk-taking type personality. In the five voices language, it fits pioneer very well. So if it goes back to know yourself, to lead yourself, if I'm in a leader intensive and I help a ENTP realize, wow. That is my tendency, and I probably do identify with the pioneer voice. Okay, what is the sweet spot around that, but what is the blind spot around that? Mm. So the sweet spot is you're a starter. You could probably think of something that no one's ever thought of and actually put it into play, Mm -hmm. but how many people follow you because they want to
2: Mm.
1: versus because they have to? Right. ENTP pioneer types many times are the very strong, maybe dominating type. Personality right. sure. that get results, mm-hmm. but there may be a lot of blood in their wake. Mm. And so they've gone through people to get those results if they're not aware of it.
0: So usually when we hear terms like leadership, mm-hmm. I know not, maybe not one of your favorite terms anymore, but uh, <laughs> uh, you almost always hear that, though, in the context of leading others. Why is it important to really kind of look in the mirror? Is that a necessary step in order to be an effective leader? Does everybody need that?
1: I think so. Yeah. I think the greatest miss in leadership is self awareness. Mm. I mean, if, you, if you're oblivious, the miss. miss yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. I mean, Steve, our founder, one time, I heard him say, No one ever graduates from the school of self awareness. <laughs> and I said, In my opinion, very few ever enroll. <laughs> so if we never know what it's like to be on the other side of us, we're basically leading an accidental life. Or we're leading from an accidental platform mm-hmm. because we're looking at the world through our own lens. We're never considering the lens of the people that work for us. Mm-hmm. So if you get results, great, you got results, but what did it take to get to those results? And um being valued as a leader, you know, if you think of the best leaders you've ever worked for, and I do this regularly in my sessions, and 100% of the time I hear somebody describing a leader that knew them for who they were, but also challenged them to be what they could be. Hmm. So it was, it was both. And it wasn't just, Hey, I'm challenging you to get to the objective. Right. It's, I understand you for who you are and I'm going to help you get to that objective. But very rarely do we see that out there. We want to hire the person with the most qualifications, get them on their quote, right seat on the bus and make them execute at a high level. So we win. But very rarely do we actually ever say, what do we need to do to actually help them get there? We just hope we hire right and they do a good job.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up hiring because I <laughs> want to dig into that just uh-huh. a little bit. Sure. And uh, You and I have discussed a little bit before, uh, but uh, for the benefits of our, uh, of our listeners, uh, let's, let's dig in just a bit. Sure. So you and I are about the same age. And right now we are looking at the lowest unemployment environment of our entire lives, Mm -hmm. not just our business lives, but our entire lives. Right. And so for a lot of entrepreneurs and business leaders that are looking to build a team, this is a critical time. Uh, there just aren't that many candidates out there. Uh, there might be, uh, uh, fewer candidates out there looking for the job that we have to offer than there were just a few short years ago. And so we've got to select well. We've got to make sure that we make those decisions right, uh, because, uh, uh, the environment is such that uh, the pickings are slim, and we need to make sure that we uh make good decisions sure so in the in the process of building a team uh and hiring to uh to fill out the the team positions on your organization, how do you uh use five voices and myers briggs It seems like sort of a taboo topic. Can you tell us about that
1: yeah, and i'll try to be clear in the way I say it because you made me think um about a study that came out at the end of twenty sixteen that you may remember it was done by Gallup mm. and it was widely published that two thirds of Americans have zero connection to what they do every day. Mm. They're just going to work. Wow. So two thirds. Two thirds. Huh. So I wonder, you know, with this in, the increase in jobs in our country and the, you know, the lowest unemployment rates ever, how many of those people are going somewhere where they want to be versus have to be? Right. I think most of us tend to take a job and just go do the job. Mm-hmm. And if nobody has this 40-hour work week anymore, you know, to say you work 60 hours is not a badge of honor. It's like, yeah, you should, oh right? Goodness. So everybody's doing that. So, you know, if you're, if you're working 60-hour work week and sleeping eight hours a night, you know, half your life you're either asleep or disconnected if you don't like what you do. So to answer your question, like how would you maybe use Myers-Briggs or Five Voices? In my opinion, if I'm hiring, I'm looking for somebody that is really in alignment with what we do. Mm. I think that relational skills um, are becoming more and more and more needed in our culture and actually understood that that has to happen um, to be the most effective. It was usually, let's get the people that'll achieve the objective. Now it's like, well, they don't want to be there. How effective will they be? So if I'm hiring, I want people to understand my culture. Mm -hmm. and I want people to understand my team. Mm -hmm. I want people to understand, hey, this is what we're about and this is who we are because we want you to want to be here. Right. We don't want you to take a job. We want you a year after you're hired to be okay with it being Sunday night and you got to come to work on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So if you're using Myers-Briggs or Five Voices to hire, the way I would frame it or position it is just that way. Like if you're very much a Myers-Briggs company, and I think Rocket likes to use the MBTI, and the Myers-Briggs. Sure, yeah. You know, Myers-Briggs would tell any practitioner to say, it should not be used as a condition of hiring. Right. And I would agree with that. Right. But I've seen some organizations be very clear and open with the candidate. Uh, This is why we do what we do. Here is what makes up our organization. We're not saying you have to be that, but we want to understand you and we want you to understand us. And they've actually taken candidates through a type validation. Mm. So in essence, even if the candidate doesn't get hired, um, you've given that candidate a greater level of self awareness. It's right. like almost like a wow, they were considering hiring me and they poured into me through the hiring process. Mm-hmm. It kind of demonstrates something about that organization that, that I would want to be a part of. Right. I've seen organizations do that. Five voices um, might be a little bit more effective in that area, but again, I would not say use it as a condition. Right. So you can't say, it's hey, not we a need filter. Right. Right, like we need a guardian, so let's go hunt guardians. Right. Um, it's that's just anybody can be and do anything. As we said earlier, you're a little bit of all five voices. Right, but to actually say, we'd love you to take this assessment. We'd love to talk to you about our methodology of uh, understanding each other inside our organization through the lens of the five voices, and as such, we'd love to know how you see yourself. Mm. Just so you understand us as much as we understand you, I think that is a great way to use the the instrument.
0: I love it. I uh, often talk with my team about interviews as opportunities for experience. Mm -hmm. So from the moment that uh, we make first contact with a candidate that's applying for a job, an experience begins and you're creating uh, an imprint uh, in their brains that they'll remember And you want that experience to be a positive one. So I like the idea of using some of the tools to maybe focus in a little bit on who they are and who we are. Because that's what an interview is, right? It's a bi-directional evaluation. Or should be. It's not just (laughs) us trying to figure out whether or not we Mm -hmm. like a candidate. It's it's the candidate's opportunity to meet people on the team and learn a little bit about the organization, what they might be getting themselves into. And so... uh, I like the idea of incorporating Five Voices or Myers-Briggs into the process just to get to know one another. Yes. But I agree, we would stop short of using either of those tools as a filter. Yeah. I think that's important. Yep. Well, fantastic. Uh, Dan, I've really enjoyed spending some time with you. Uh, I'd love for our listeners to know a little bit about uh, how to reach you and and learn a little bit more about the Five Voices. Tell us, how, how can our listeners learn about the Five Voices? Well, probably
1: one of the best ways. I mean, we have got an amazing resource that we've built out in the last year called Giant TV. Oh,
2: okay.
1: They can actually access Giant TV and, and watch The Five Voices oh. as if it's a, it's, it's a video series. Oh. So that is a very easy, quick way to learn about it. And the where they could go is giant.tv. Okay. And if they do forward slash Dan Fry, D-A-N-F-R-E-Y, They can play around on Giant TV for 30 days and watch all about the five voices right there. It's probably the best platform to actually learn about them right out of the gate. Awesome. And uh, how can people find you? So, absolutely. They can always email me at dan.fry, F-R-E-Y. looks like Frey, (laughs) but it's Fry. So, dan.fry, F-R-E-Y, at giantworldwide.com.
0: Got it. Uh, Fantastic. And with that, I think it's time to wrap up. What's been a truly insightful discussion. Dan, for myself and our audiences near and far, we want to say thank you for spending time with us today.
1: I very much enjoyed it. Thank you for having me.
0: To everyone listening, thank you for tuning in. We hope this segment has encouraged you to both embrace your key strengths while taking the time to reflect upon how you can improve any secondary traits. Once again, please understand that this discussion has been a brief overview of Myers Briggs and Five Voices assessments. Uh, If you wish to delve more deeply into these tools, we encourage you to check out the plethora of information available on GiantWorldwide.com. Additionally, if you should have any questions about today's discussions, please feel free to contact us at marketing at rocketit.com or send us a message via any of the social media links found in this episode's description. In the meantime, dream big and thrive on.